Hey, welcome to the Commons. How are we doing? Uh, if we haven't met yet, my name's Austin. I'm one of the pastors here. Hey, if you've got a Bible, open to Isaiah chapter 9. It's about right in the middle of your Bible. Isaiah chapter 9. Uh, Merry Christmas Eve. You guys, you guys doing good? You guys doing good? Uh, we should have done two services. Dang it. <laughs> Uh, I'm glad you're joining us. Hey, you know, uh, Preston earlier did a great job saying this, but I would imagine uh, we have some new people here this morning, and, and I really would ask if you'd take a minute, and I don't even care if you do it right now, this is a great time to pull your phone out, scan the QR code on the seat back in front of you, and um, the first link that comes up says, new to the commons. We really do want to know you're here. We assume you're here because, uh, you know, you are trying to find out about the church, trying to find out about, you know, if this is a place for you. You're maybe in a place in your life where crisis is hit and you're like, man, I don't know what else to come to. These people seem to be coming and hanging on to Jesus. Maybe I should do the same. So you want to know more about Jesus. And really for us, you letting us know you're here just helps us come alongside you and help you uh, answer those questions. So that's what we want to do. Um, so I love this service. This is quickly becoming, this is only the third time for us as a church. We're four and a half years old. Only the third time we've been able to do a Christmas Eve service. And it's quickly becoming like, uh, my favorite service of the year, it's, it's weird in our context because a lot of people go leave, see family, all of our college students, most of our college students leave. Uh, but I love it because of, I don't know, there's just something about this service. And I will say this morning vibe is throwing me off, all right? I, next year, we're going back to night service, all right, for Christmas Eve. So if you're like, man, why are they not doing that? I'm with you, okay? Bad decisions being made on our leadership team. Uh, I don't know who's leading it, but they're making bad decisions. Uh, <clears throat> but I'm, I'm really, like, this one's especially special uh, because this morning uh, we have invited all of our uh, kindergarten up through fifth graders into the room, uh, which is super fun to have, but it's especially special for me because this is the first year that one of my kids has, has made it to the top, all right? You know, uh, started at the bottom, now he's here. Uh, my five-year-old son, Judah, is in the room, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm both excited and I'm terrified. I've never been so nervous to preach before in my life because I know I'm going to get some really critical feedback on the back end of this. So, um, but, uh, you know, if you know my wife, Leslie and I, you know, we have four kids and, uh, man, having kids is awesome. Uh, it's really hard work, but it's awesome. And I don't know, you know, what you would say to this, but one of the, you know, one of the hardest things about being a parent is now how you answer that question depends on what season of life you're in with your kids. Like little kids, lack of sleep and just the pure chaos. You know, older kids, somebody with older kids, I was talking to them a couple weeks ago, and they are like, I think trying to encourage me, but really it was ominous and discouraging what they said. They said, hey, little kids, little problems. Big kids, bigger problems. And I'm like, oh, that doesn't sound good. Um, but one of the hardest things about being a parent is picking out a name for your child. Uh, any parents, can you agree with that? Like, it, I mean, Leslie and I, we're, we're four kids in. I don't know if we're having more than that, but... Um, uh, like four kids in, four real tough struggles of trying to pick a name for a kid. And, uh, you know, for us, it's like our name lists always look completely different. Like I have this list of names over here and I'm, I'm, I'm like, babe, what about this one? No. Uh, all right, what about this one? No. Okay, what about this one? No. And I'm like, goodness gracious. And I had some good names on my list. Uh, I've always had this name that I want to name our kids. Uh, uh, it's a super cool name, comes from the Bible. I know pastor had to pick a name from the Bible. Uh, it's the name Gideon. Uh, one of the coolest stories in, in the Bible, and uh, the women are like, uh, Gideon, really? I'm um, sorry, if anybody's named Gideon, I'm telling you, it's a cool name. I mean, strong name, amazing story behind it. Plus, you could call him for short, Dion, you know, Gideon, Dion, dope athlete name. Uh, and I want to, but she's like, hey, huge 
No, uh, not naming good. So I get so frustrated to the point where I had all these serious names that I liked on my list and she doesn't like any of them. So I'm like, I'm just going to start throwing ridiculous names on there. And, and uh, you know, just out of kind of like passive aggression. And uh, so I'd throw out a ridiculous name and she'd be like, hey, actually, that's a cool name. Let's put that on the short list. I'm like, what is wrong with this? You know? <clears throat> so, you know, our first two kids, we spent a lot of time thinking through the names very intentionally. They have a lot of meaning behind them. But by the time we got to kid number three, you know, I mean, I'll be honest, it's like, we're just over here trying to keep these other two kids alive. You know, we don't really have time to be thinking about and wrestling over the perfect name for kid number three. Uh, you know, so, so one night, about two weeks before we had kid number three, I'm in the shower and I'm thinking, what are we going to name this uh, kid? You know, and, and I was like, oh, he's going to be the third kid. So I don't know, let's call him Trace. Uh, and so got in the shower and was like, babe, we got a great name, Trace. And she's like, I love it. Let's do it. And I'm like, all right, we're calling him Trace, you know, number three. And uh, we gave him my middle name, uh, Austin, because he's born on the same day as me. But, um, and then with our fourth kid, we didn't know what we were having, which, by the way, like, that's super cool to do and be surprised, you know, boy or girl. It also makes the name thing even worse, because now you don't got to pick one name, you got to pick two. And, uh, and, and we hadn't even talked about the name of our fourth. And it's like a week out from when we're supposed to have this kid. And we're laying in bed one night and... It was like two weeks out. We're laying in bed one night and Leslie's like, uh, hey, when are we going to talk about what we're naming this kid? And immediately I'm like, oh, on the inside, you know, like exhausting conversation and trying to think, how do I punt this down the road further? And so, you know, I'm going to say what I said next and you're going to be like, oh, he's so spiritual. And, uh, but really I was just trying to punt the conversation down further. So I said, I said, babe, you know what? I don't know. Let's just, let's pray and ask God to give us, you know, a name. And she's like, oh my gosh, my husband's so godly. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to procrastinate on this conversation even longer. So, you know, we, we did, we prayed, said, God, would you give us a name? You know? And like a week later, I'm in the shower. That's where all my names come from. I'm in the shower and I'm thinking, okay, if it's a boy, we should name the dude Luke. That's such a cool name. Luke. Anybody here named Luke? I'm like, that is a dope name. You know? So I get out of the shower and I'm like, babe, I got it. If it's a dude, if it's a boy, we're naming him Luke. And she's like, great. If it's a girl, we're naming her Lainey. And I'm like, all right, it's settled. You know? And we were like, well, let's look up what the names mean. You know what these names mean? This is cool. God actually answered our prayer, I think. Luke means light giver, and Laney means bright light. And without discussing, we came up with those names together. Super cool. God answered our prayer, even though, honestly, I was just trying to punt the conversation down the road. He's good to us. God's good to us, even when, you know, whatever. So why am I sharing this with you, though? I'm going to show you why I'm sharing this with you. All right, Isaiah chapter 9. Hopefully you've got it by now. Isaiah chapter 9, we're going to read one verse out of Isaiah chapter 9 tonight, or this morning. Isaiah 9, 6. If you got it, let me hear you say, I got it. <coughs> so it says this, verse 6, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders, and get this, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now this morning, we're wrapping up, get this, a three-year series. Yes, three years. Uh, two years ago, Christmas Eve, 2021, we started looking at Isaiah 9-6. We looked at that first line, for to us, a child is born. Then last year, Christmas 2022, we looked at the next line, and to us, a child is given. This year, we're closing it up. We're, 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 we're getting to the end of verse 6, and at the end of verse 6, it's all about the name of this child that was given to save the world. And by the way, Isaiah 9, 6, God said this through Isaiah 750 years before Isaiah was born. He wasn't waiting until like the week of. 
No, he was talking about it way before. So, all right, if you missed the last two Christmas Eves, or if you just can't remember the last two, uh, if I could sum up the first two sermons on Isaiah 9-6, I'd sum it up with these two words. Here we go. The two words are, to us. To us. Everybody say, to us. To us. Do you see that in there? It's twice. First line, for to us a child is born. Second line, to us a child is given. These two words are some of the most potent words in all of history. In fact, everything in this book revolves around these two words. The Old Testament spent hundreds of years looking ahead and anticipating these two words, and and the New Testament is constantly looking back at these two words. These two words are at the heart of the gospel message. Christmas, this is what it's all about. It's about God moving in closer to us, God coming to us. We call it, this fancy word, we call it the incarnation. Jesus broke in to our world. God inserted himself into our world. Emmanuel, one of the names given to Jesus, means God with us. Why did he do this? He did it because he had to. We were all created to know God and to be with God, but our sin has separated us from God. And the bad news is there's nothing any of us can do to get ourselves back to God. The good news, though, is that God has come to us. Now, our, um, our Christmas culture has like totally hijacked this one. Uh, y'all know the song, Santa Claus is Coming to Town? Do y'all know that song? Do you know that song, Santa Claus is Coming to Town? Okay, I hate it when pastors do this. I'm, I'm tempted here. We'll see. Uh, like, should we kind of sing it together as a church? I hate it when pastors do that. I can't sing it all, by the way. You know the first line, you better watch out? You know that line? Does that get you started? Can we do this? All right, I may regret this. All right, here we go. Ready? You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Go. This is going to be great on the podcast. Keep that beat. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. Say it like you mean it. Come on. All right, here we go. Oh, you got our feet. He's got to go high. Okay, hold up, hold up, hold up. Did you just hear what you said? He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. I mean, have you thought about how creepy that is? How in the world is that true? What is he doing? Like creeping through your blinds? You know what I'm saying? Are we sure that Santa drives a sleigh and not some creepy old van? I don't know. But let's keep going. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. Oh, all right, we're not finished it. We're not finished it. That was good. You sound beautiful. Listen, here's, here's what I'm going. Our culturally hijacked version of Christmas says that there's a naughty list and a nice list. You heard that in there. So, in other words, if you behave good enough, you make it onto the nice list and you get good presents. But if you don't behave good enough, then you get onto the naughty list and I don't know, you get coal in your stocking or you don't get anything, right? And some of y'all have used that threat against your kids, and I'm kind of ruining that vibe for you in your house right now. But, but that's literally the opposite of what Christmas is about. Our, our culture has made Christmas about all, all about what we do, but the truth is Christmas is all about what he has done. And what has he done? Two words. He has come to us. He's come to us. Now, I've said something to this effect uh, every Christmas Eve up to this point. And it's not because I'm Scroogey, okay? Uh, it's not because I'm Scroogey. I'm not, I'm not trying to like uh, kill your Hallmark vibes of your Christmas, but it's because there's too much at stake for me to tickle your ears 
with cliche Christmas platitudes and try to make you feel good before you go home and unwrap presents from Santa Claus. God sending Jesus down to earth was much more like a nuclear bomb being dropped in the middle of a war than the sweet feelings you get from walking into Hobby Lobby this time of year. Christmas is God setting in motion his rescue operation to save us out of the enemy's grip. Another way to say that is Christmas is about God declaring war on the enemy. In fact, you, you keep reading Isaiah 9, 6. So for to us, a child is born, to us a son is given. What's the next line? It says, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Have you ever read 2 Corinthians 4, 4? Uh, it says, and the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ. The God of this age is not talking about Jesus. It's talking about Satan. It's talking about the enemy. 1 John 5, 19 says, the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. This world is under the barbaric rule of Satan. And I'm just thinking about that this week, and I'm thinking, okay, look at whatever head of state, governor, ruler, dictator, like, look at the ones who are, like, just terrible, horrible, and, and call them barbaric, whatever. Know that they are just evidence of the greater conflict and cosmic battle at hand. Ephesians 6 says, our, our fight, our, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't, our fight's not against other humans, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic, cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Like, here's what I'm getting at. God sending his son, Jesus, wasn't so that you and I could get a fun holiday out of it. It was him firing the first shot to initiate the war to end all wars. It was him initiating the liberation of an entire planet from the grip of a tyrant ruler. And think about this. Any leader who initiates a war and liberates a people, what do they do? They set up a new state. They set up a new kingdom. And that's what Christmas is all about. He says, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. In other words, Jesus came to establish a new kingdom that, by the way, he's inviting you and me to be a part of. That's what Christmas is about. So Jesus being born as a baby in a manger in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, it was the start of God doing this. And by the way, there's huge, there's huge implications in this. Like We like to talk about Jesus as our Savior. We love to talk about Jesus as our Savior. But according to Isaiah 9, 6, and by the way, everything else the Bible says about Jesus, he, he didn't just come to be our Savior. He came to be our King. And I love how Charles Spurgeon, this old dude from the 1800s, he says, if Christ is your Savior, he must be your King. Like you can't want liberation from your sin and not also want Jesus to be your King. Those two things go together. Like many of us live like Jesus has the authority to save us from our sins, but like he doesn't have the authority to rule our lives. Like we say stuff like, oh yeah, you know, Jesus saved me from my sins. But your life and your decisions haven't been reoriented around him. That's foolish. You, you either receive him as your savior and king, or you don't receive him at all, which leads to a question, is Jesus your king? Is Jesus your king? If you don't trust him to be the king of your life, then how in the world can you trust him to be the savior of your life? Have you really put your faith in this king, in, in Jesus? And the government shall be upon his shoulder. Christmas is about God sending his son to establish a new kingdom that you and I, if we receive him, 
If we put our faith in him, we get to be a part of it. And the government shall be on his shoulder. But Isaiah 9, 6 doesn't stop there. It goes on and it says, next thing he says, and his name shall be called. And his name shall be called. In their culture, names meant something. Not so sure in our culture, there's some kind of weird names coming in uh, out there, but in their name, it meant something. For them, it was a statement about character. So 750 years before Jesus was born, God, he's tossing out names for his son. Why was he doing this? He's doing this because he was sending his son to establish a new kingdom that you and I get to be a part of, and he wanted us to know what type of ruler this new king was going to be. He wanted us to know what, what type of kingdom this new king was coming to establish. So what does Isaiah 9, 6 tell us about this king whose birth we celebrate tomorrow, and consequently the kingdom he came to establish? Well, here, here he says, he says, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We get four names. <coughs> Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So, so, so first, his name shall be called Wonderful Counsel. That word wonderful there, it means marvelous. It means miraculous. It means so extraordinary, it's hard to comprehend. Counselor, it's, it's somebody who gives advice. It's somebody who is wise. So in other words, one who will be called extraordinarily wise. He will have extraordinary wisdom. Romans 11, 33 to 34 says, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? It's a rhetorical question, but with an obvious answer, and nobody. Who could be his counselor? The wisdom of God is unmatched. He knows everything that has ever happened, and he knows everything that ever will happen. All truth finds its origins in him. Everything that is good finds its start in him. I was reading just yesterday morning my, my time with the Lord in James chapter 1, which says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. Everything that's good comes from him. His judgments and his decisions are perfect. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Number two, his name shall be called Mighty God. You know, if you were to make the name there a verb, it would be translated, God is a mighty warrior. One of my favorite names for God in the Bible is Lord of Hosts. You know what Lord of Hosts literally translated is? It's Lord of Angel Armies. Uh, in my own time with the Lord, I just finished going through 1 Kings. And in 1 Kings, we're introduced to the very well-known prophet, Elijah. But towards the end of 1 Kings, Elijah passes the baton of kind of being the prophet of God's people to this lesser-known prophet, Elisha. And, and then in 2 Kings 6, one of the coolest events in history happens. So Elisha, he's in the city of Dothan. And the, the king of Syria uh, sends his army to surround the city of Dothan. And one morning, Elisha, one of his helpers, servants, whatever, uh, wakes up and goes outside, you know, get the fresh breath of air and sees the city surrounded by this powerful Syrian army. And he freaks out. And he goes and he wakes up Elisha and he says, dude, what do we do? And Elisha says to him, don't be afraid. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then God does something crazy. He actually opens this guy's eyes to see what was really happening. And yes, they were surrounded by the Syrian army. But the Syrian army was surrated by God's mighty angel army. And that's what I think of when I hear this name, 
mighty God. The emphasis in calling him this is on his power. Supernaturally powerful. Nobody will be able to, to defeat him and there's nothing and there's nobody that he can't defeat or overcome. His name shall be called mighty God. His name shall be called everlasting father. Everlasting means to his kingdom and to his reign, there will be no end. But he's not just called everlasting. He's called everlasting father, which tells us how this king will relate to his people. He will relate to his people like a father relates to a child. And Psalm 103 gives us a hint of what he means. As a, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. So his name shall be called everlasting father. In other words, he will have endless compassion for his people, and then his name shall be called Prince of Peace. In other words, this is the type of society that he will create. His rule will create peace. His kingdom will be marked by peace. Now, before saying anything else, it's important to understand these names in the context of how these people, back when this was written, originally would have understood these names. And for them, the kingdom these people were living in, it was in turmoil. It was divided. These people had all kinds of threats to their safety and, and, and to their security all around them. And, and to add to the struggle, they'd been stuck in this cycle of having one bad king after another bad king after another bad king. Bad leader after bad leader after bad leader. And by the way, I mean, goodness, we can look around and maybe think, things kind of feel similar now. So imagine how these words landed on their ears. A king is coming. And his rule will be characterized by extraordinary wisdom. Supernatural power, endless compassion and peace. Think about how it landed on their ears, but the question I want to ask you this morning is, how does it land on your ears? I mean, this is who Jesus is. This is who, you know, the baby that we celebrate the birth of tomorrow, like, this is who that baby was. This is what we have in him. If you are in Christ This is your king, and this is the kingdom you're a part of and will always be a part of. And if you're not yet in Christ, this could be your king. This could be your kingdom. Do you realize what you have in Jesus? I mean, think about this. For those of you who find yourself in this place in life where you're like, man, what do I do? What do I do? And run to this king. Reorient your life around this king. Step into this kingdom. His name is wonderful counselor. In other words, in him, you find, we find extraordinary wisdom. Man, what do I do about my marriage? What do I do about this troubled child? What do I do with my life? Where do I go? What do I do with this issue that's come up this way over my head? Man, run to this king. His name is Wonderful Counselor. For those of you who find yourself in this place where you're like, man, can this be fixed? Can this be fixed? It feels like it can't be fixed. And run to this king. Reorient your life around this king. Step into this kingdom. His name is mighty God. In other words, in him, we have supernatural power. Can this problem in my life be fixed? Can this addiction that I have be overcome? Can this disease that I've been fighting and fighting and fighting be healed? Can my marriage be restored? Oh, run to this king. His name is mighty God. For those of you who find yourself in this place in life, you're like, man, am I alone? Am I just totally on an island here? Man, am I loved? Like, have I just done too much? Have I gone too far? I'll run to this king. 
Reorient your life around this king. Step into this kingdom. His name is Everlasting Father. In other words, in him we find endless compassion. How many dads are in the room this morning? How many dads? Stick your hand up. I love this. Okay, so how many of you dads, without hesitation, would step in front of a speeding train to save one of your children? Put your hand up. Yeah, without hesitation. And that's not, that's not false. Like, that, we wouldn't even think about it. I'm with you. Now, I'll be honest with you. Prior to having kids, man, I'd look at other people's kids, and I'd be like, honestly, I'd just let the train hit them. Uh, but now that I have kids, I'm like, I get it. Dude, without thinking, I would step in front of a train for my son. Without thinking, I'd step in front of a train for my, for my daughters. I would do it. And think about this. If that's true of us dads who, if we're going to be honest, let's be honest, if that's true about us dads who are super selfish, if that's true about us dads who, again, if we're going to be honest, like we fail all the time at loving our kids well, then, then what can we expect from our everlasting father who is perfect and whose love never fails? And run to this king. His name is Everlasting Father. For those of you who find yourself in this place in life where you're, you're without peace, oh, run to this king. His name is Prince of Peace. Listen, in this king's kingdom, there will be perfect peace with others. There will be perfect peace within yourself. And there will be perfect peace with God. There will be perfect peace with others. No more wars. No more division. No more family fights. There will be perfect peace with others. There will be perfect peace within yourself. No more anxiety. No more depression. No more fear. And, and most importantly, there will be perfect peace with God. More than anything else, this is what all of us need because of our sin. Our sin has broken that relationship with God. It separated us from God. But in this king, there will be no more separation from God. This king is able to bring final and lasting peace because he is able to deal with the root of all brokenness, which is sin. Listen, this verse, Isaiah 9, 6, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and his name shall be called. What shall be called? Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. This is about as Christmassy as it gets. I guarantee you, you can go into Hobby Lobby today. I don't know if they're up on Sundays. Uh, I think they're a Chick-fil-A game, so no, no Sunday Hobby Lobby. But you can go to probably Target and Meyer, the little, you know, cutesy section, and I guarantee you can find something with that verse on it. You can find something to hang in your house, hang in your bathroom, you know, hang wherever, that has that verse on it. And I know we all get nostalgic when it comes to Christmas. We want to curl up. I mean, I don't know if you're feeling this. I'm feeling this. We want to curl up on the couch with some hot chocolate with our, with our wives, with our kids, watch our Christmas movies. It makes it feel all warm and cozy. But listen, I want you to see this. I want you to see what's really happening in this verse and what really happened that first Christmas. Yes, maybe it was a silent night. Maybe. I doubt it. I've witnessed four live births. But let's just give the song a benefit of the doubt, okay? Maybe it was a silent night on the surface. But underneath the surface of that beautiful silent night where that perfect little baby boy was born and wrapped in swaddling clothes, beneath all of that, underneath all of that was this epic, history-altering, atomic bomb being dropped into the world that would change everything for you and for me forever. God was sending his son to be king, which means he was sending his son to establish a new kingdom. 
And this kingdom would be unlike anything this world has ever seen. And by the way, this kingdom is everything that you and I crave at the core. And this king has invited you to be a part of it. That's why we celebrate this. That's why tomorrow is a day that's been celebrated for the past 2,000 years. That's why we gather in here every week, except next week, we're taking the week off, but every week we gather in here and we celebrate this. And I hope that as you do your Christmas Eve stuff tonight, and I hope that as you do your Christmas Day stuff tomorrow, this is what's on your mind. The king has come. The king has come. And a new kingdom has been and is being established. And guys, the good news is we've been invited into it. We've been invited into it. So to that end, man, let's celebrate Christmas together. Let's sing these songs. Let's go home, celebrate with our families, knowing the king has come and there's a new kingdom that we get to be a part of.